Over 40 years ago, Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann became one of the best-known uh, thinkers in biblical studies when he published a book titled The Prophetic Imagination. If you've read any subsequent book or commentary he's ever written, he's basically continuing the themes uh, that he created in this first book in the early 1970s. One of the key points in this book is that words are what create our reality. Here's how he describes the work of the prophet to use words. The prophet has only the means of word spoken and word acted to contradict the presumed reality of his or her community. The prophet is to provide the wherewithal whereby hope becomes possible again. Speech about hope cannot be explanatory and scientifically argumentative. Rather, it must be lyrical in the sense that it touches the hopeless person at many different points. I pulled that book off the shelf this week as I was pondering Mary's song in our scripture passage today and reflecting on a column I read in the Atlantic magazine last week. Um, the, the column was called The End of High School English. Um, it was written by a teacher in California, Daniel Herman, who writes about a new technology called ChatGPT, which has the ability uh, to create an essay, a cover letter, um, a research paper on any topic, at any word length, at any reading level, in just a matter of moments. Understanding that this technology will simply become more and more available, he wonders in the column if high school students even need to learn the basics of writing anymore, for they won't need to use it. Will they need to know different rhetorical genres and grammatical nuance that create great pieces of literature? Without speaking in hyperbole, he says in the essay, let me be candid with apologies to all my current and former students. What GPT can produce right now is better than the large majority of writings seen by your average teacher or professor. Over the past few days, I've given it a number of different prompts, and even if the bot's results don't exactly give you goosebumps, they do a more than adequate job of fulfilling the task. So, Technology has the ability, through data analysis and a variety of algorithms, to create speech to define our reality. We could forfeit our imaginative power to this generative technology, which is more efficient, more deliberate, and more succinct than the way we typically use words. For example, I just said efficient and succinct, which was redundant. And so this tells us that every high school student now has the ability to never do a reading assignment for English class and to never have to do any literary analysis. They can simply type whatever prompt the teacher gives into ChatGPT, the number of words that it needs to be, and they will be given a full essay that no one else has ever produced before to turn in as their own work. To bring it even closer to home, any preacher could put into ChatGPT 
write a 1,500-word sermon on Mary's song and the limits of technology for the fourth Sunday of Advent. And ChatGPT would create a sermon that that preacher could proclaim from the pulpit as the very Word of God to you. It's not what's happening today. (laughs) But it could be. And so if we believe as Christians that God speaks the world into existence, as we read in the first chapter of Genesis, if we believe that Jesus is the Word incarnate, if we believe that the Scripture is the conduit through which God's will is revealed to us by the power of the Holy Spirit, then how we use words and the creative use of words is essential to our life and our faith. So now I wonder... How many imaginations will be limited from hearing divine purpose because they simply chose to go with the algorithms? How many roadblocks will there be to hearing the revealed will of God? Will prophetic imagination be stunted because of artificial intelligence? See, Brueggemann says that words have the power to create reality, and the work of the poet is to present an alternative reality through the idea of God's newness. And the newness of God is the language of amazement. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The wolf shall live with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf, and the lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these dry bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-matured wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-matured wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. It is symbol. It is vision. It is possibility birthed from impossibility. It is new and unplanned without program to bring it to account. It is a world energized by a power that has never been experienced before. It's it's Mary's song. Mary is filled with the newness of God. The Holy Spirit comes upon her and the song she sings isn't true by any measurable data, by any analytical standard. Mary speaks of a truth that is deeper than reason. There's no evidence that God's mercy is upon us, that the proud have been scattered in the thoughts of their hearts, that the lowly have been lifted up, that the tyrants have been cast from their thrones, that the hungry are filled with good things. Mary is singing of a world that can't, that must be more than analyzed data of the daily news or the week's economic report or the latest info on inflation. 
You see, artificial intelligence can only create speech based on analysis of everything that has been said before. It cannot speak of something new. So, uh, true confession. I did put into chat GPT this week to write a sermon on Mary's Magnificat and the, and the limits of chat GPT. And this is part of what the uh, um, artificial intelligence created about itself. Unlike Mary, chat GPT is not capable of having faith or truly understanding the complexities of the human experience. It is a machine trained on data that can only provide responses based on its programming. While ChatGPT may be able to provide information and answer questions to a certain extent, it lacks the depth and breadth of understanding that comes from a deep personal relationship with God. It cannot truly comprehend the majesty of God or the power of faith. Now that's a pretty amazing technology to generate that. But if you take a step back, what this new technology is doing is building on a lot of other technologies that want to keep us focused on what has already happened and not necessarily with what new thing could be coming. I think about the great novel, an act of newness, this creation of fiction, and then a movie producer decides to convert it to the screen to capitalize more on that creativity, on that newness. And then how many great films um, get sequel after sequel after sequel, and then it becomes an entire um, brand of films and television shows and products. Pop music um, uses certain standards, certain genres, and just tweaks them a little bit in order to get the largest market share of the listening audience. It even happens in language with books and poetry. The author who finds their niche and sort of reproduces the same book with different characters and in slightly different geographies, and they come out with two books a year that you find on those spinning racks at the Hudson's at the airport. It's not just artificial intelligence. Most of what we encounter is the old recreated or refreshed. Limited language lulling us into the world as we know it right now with no hope but to make the best of our present circumstances. But occasionally, we do encounter this newness. Bach, Mozart, the Beatles, Stephen Sondheim, Monet, Picasso, Emily Dickinson, Toni Morrison, Mary Shelley. You, you hear those first notes played. You, you stumble around the corner in the gallery upon the piece of art. You read that succession of words in a sentence, and you realize you've encountered a possibility you never thought could happen. You've encountered um, a vision pain, a world that is new. That's Mary's song. She shakes us from our stupor. Her son, Jesus, is new possibility, a new way of life, a new language 
that we learn that no alternative intelligence can grasp or create. This is divine revelation before us, and revelation, by definition, cannot be deduced simply from what has come before. I believe that ChatGPT is just the latest app in all this data analysis that we've been swimming in for several decades now, and all of these things keep us sticking with who we've been in the past so that we can remain there in the best possible version. So whether that's um, Rotten Tomatoes uh, movie reviews or Zagat restaurant reviews or, or um, TripAdvisor recommendations or the things with the most likes or, or hearts that get boosted to the top of the news feed or targeted advertising and pop-ups in your email inbox or even recommended Spotify playlists of music you might like. All of these elements are taking who you have always been and said, we're going to cultivate something that meets the tastes you already have as you continue in your life. There's not much newness. There's curated oldness. The gospel, voiced here by a young woman engaged who is pregnant, who has gone to her older cousin for solace, the gospel is a remedy, a hope, a possibility Unlike a playlist that you pop your AirPods in and you listen to, or a targeted ad that you evaluate the product and you make the purchase, or artificial intelligence that you put the prompt in for your essay and it creates what you need to turn in. The gospel in the Song of Mary invites us not to simply be passive receivers, but to become active participants in the song. Over and over again, this Magnificat has been set to music and sung by choirs and congregations. It isn't just something to hear, it's something to sing. And in singing it, it comes to shape our understanding of reality. As we sing it, notes, lyrics, rests, phrases, we embody the song, we become participants in the message. We too become heralds of the love of God. And so our attention, our actions, our evaluations of the cosmos are shaped by that song. And so as we sing, as we speak, as we pray, as we act, we are not simply um, replicating the data of what has always come before. We are participating in a song that is part of the newness that God wants for the world right now. Mary's song molds our own prophetic imaginations so that we come to see that as we look upon the wisdom of the world, as the Apostle Paul likes to call it, we discover that all words that are not grounded in the newness that God has for the world are ultimately just artificial.